How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I always think it's funny when people who are like close and talk all the time and like talk all day still feel the need to say like like to give a some sort of formal greeting and goodbye and then like you text like two seconds after you hang up <laughs> yeah yeah well is there a more appropriate way to, to do like would you want something different when we get on on when we no start no I mean I I think it's I think it's nice and it's polite but I think that like we haven't it's still kind of like a new thing that that's that the constant communication is a option for people so maybe we just haven't evolved to come up with some sort of alternative <laughs> acknowledgement yeah. that a new conversation has begun and ended yeah i used to <laughs> it's always the ones that, it's always the people who have the same trigger sayings though like have you met people like that there used to be a guy that i knew when i was growing up that you would say how's it going uh, pretty good how about yourself and he would always answer with pretty good how about yourself pretty good how about every time to the point where you were just like, I think you're lying. I'm pretty sure you're not pretty good. <laughs> Seems like it's a lie. That's funny. That makes me think of um, an old an old boyfriend who would always, if you were to ask how he was, he would say, fine, thank you, and you. And my parents always used to be like, kind of could catch on to like the phoniness. And I'm like, no, no, you know, like he went to Catholic school. I'm like, I think that that's just like cat kind of how they were taught to like be polite but I just I always thought it was funny that my parents were always kind of like yeah okay <laughs> yeah you could read you could see you could see through a lot of that a lot of that stuff so now that you've answered how you're doing uh what is new uh <laughs> so you're so let's just let's recap here for everyone paying attention how are you good what's new nothing yeah I, I have mean... that right yeah, pretty much. I yeah. mean, you, you kind of... You know we're recording today, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just don't think anything super interesting has happened since this afternoon. What our last... Since we last were texting. So you haven't had... You haven't had an L Hunt moment that, like, we're going to get into here in, in, in the course of this episode where you've had anything exciting or terribly troubling happened dramatic yeah. yeah no I, yeah. I I almost feel like it, if an L Hunt's thing happened to me you may have even heard about it from a source other than me as yeah. as is the nature of these things yeah so we're for, being very for, very cryptic here yeah I mean why not we just dive <laughs> into this because people are probably wondering like who is L Hunt hi I'm Michelle and I'm Steve and this is a podcast for creatives Two friends talking about the complex, messy, and beautiful experience that is being a creative. We came across, um, so you and I came across an article a couple of days ago that centered in on the topic of Twitter, um, everyone's favorite social network. And the concept of getting rid of the trending topics that you see on the right-hand sidebar, or if you're looking on mobile in the search feature, because of the nature of what they do for negative engagement and sparking outrage uh, for users. So Elle Hunt is a journalist, and a couple of weeks ago, uh, she sent out a harmless tweet, or so she thought, uh, having a conversation with a friend of hers and decided to take it to Twitter and say, settle an argument, is Alien a horror film, and to give reasons why. As the article kind of talks about, even if you don't know the nature of what took place you could probably get a sense just knowing 
baseline Twitter what happened because most people expressed outrage that she had a bad opinion of the movie Alien. And the replies and the quote tweets and all these things started kind of flying in. You know, the first few might have seemed, you know, you know, uh, harmless in terms of replies. But then a lot of the angry replies started to come in and things kind of got crazy. And celebrities and filmmakers alike were uh, uh, offering their opinions, demanding that she apologized. Uh, things got a little uh, out of hand, I think, to say the least, as they tend to do on on Twitter. And what was happening was you logged into Twitter and because of the way Twitter structures its twen its trending uh, widget, um, you might see a term that's trending and underneath it, there's an explanation as to why it's trending. And there were three different terms that were trending in association with her original tweet about alien. You might log in and think, oh boy, this is blowing up. And it was, but uh, the level of of venom that it attracted just based on looking at the trending topics on Twitter is what this article was talking about of, is this really helping this kind of culture on Twitter, this culture of negativity and, and vitriol, if the trending topics are just lighting people up and, and causing them to jump into a fracas that they don't really belong. They're just fighting fire with fire. It's not a good look for humanity. I'll say that when I read this and I really, I felt for her because we've, we've all put up these silly questions before. And I think the article also mentioned that she was out for one of the first times since lockdown and like having a couple drinks and like I, I was definitely able to put myself into that scene and feeling silly and having a good time and then unfortunately it it turning into this and she she definitely is not trying to be the victim in the story she recognizes that but you still can't discount how that feels to have all of these people come out of the woodwork and get very aggressive about something that is so it's just silly it is yeah. it reminds me of uh, a book that i think we've talked about a few times on this podcast but it's called uh so you've been publicly shamed by john ronson and the the whole book aims to kind of talk about the concept of public shaming and how it was you know huge back in like you know I don't know if existed the period is exactly right, but like the Puritan ages and the 1600s and the Salem witches and all this other stuff, because that was a big to do is bring people into the middle of the town square and publicly shame them for what they did or didn't do, but what they were being basically accused of doing. And that as as time kind of evolved, like these publicly these public shamings kind of like became clear that this might not have been the best way to handle it. But here comes Twitter, and now all of a sudden we have these public shamings again. And he references a very famous example by Justine Sacco. Um, who sent out a tweet that was an incredibly poor taste, uh, and she thought it was a joke that was, um, you know, who, who's going to respond to this? I only have a thousand. I only have. I forget the number of followers that she had, but it was a very small amount of followers, relatively speaking. Uh, as she was about to get on a flight to, I believe, Africa, uh, and she was making a a, um, a a really poor choice of jokes in terms of of, of color and you know, you name it, but closed her phone and um, 
they, they caught fire. She had a follower who a follower who retweeted it or liked it, and that person's has a, had a follower who was a BuzzFeed journalist, and that person re, that journalist retweeted it. He had a large number of followers, and you know the, everything kind of exacerbated from there. But it reminded me a lot of this, just on a much lesser, you know, in terms of the the topic that we're talking about here. As you talked, to, it was a much lesser scale, but. I would think that the venom that was directed at Justine, just as the venom that was directed at L, was the same. It it makes you feel horrible because that wasn't your intention to start something like this. I mean, it's the sort of thing that makes me not want to go on social, but more so than that, just to be very, very careful about what I say. And I'll be honest, in the last year, I've... I've all, I think that I was already, <laughs> as far as social media goes, quieter. I've become, I have become more quiet. Um, and I think that part of that is good. I've been challenged to, to look at things in a, in a deeper way, as I think a lot of us have. But at the same time, it has also made me feel like maybe it would be better if I just didn't say anything just in case I say the wrong thing. And I don't know that, that if that's, a good thing and I'm not I'm not blaming social media or I mean I don't really have a person to blame for it but it is something that I have thought about is it fatigue because you know I've been on the other side of opening my mouth and saying things on social not necessarily getting into like hot you know heated arguments but just getting into you know having a stake in something and having somebody put it back in my lap and it can be really you know aggravating because you're trying to make a, a a claim for something here, and this and this person just isn't really up for having the dialogue. Um, is it more of a like a fatigue thing that you just don't have the the, the bandwidth to do it, or because I know it's not because you don't think your voice is important. Yeah, I do think that it is fatigue. I mean, I think that just generally speaking, outside of social media, I do get fatigued very easily by conflict. I'm very conflict averse. It does literally exhaust me. So I do tend to avoid it. And when I put it that way, it's, it's amazing that I use social media at all. But yeah, I, th I think I end up questioning, is this really worth it? Just in case this either spirals out of control or maybe somebody takes it the wrong way because I think that no matter what you say, even if it's something that's extremely neutral, someone could interpret it in a way that you didn't intend. I think that's the part that I have the hardest time understanding is um, the, the, the people who engage in this stuff in, in bad faith like just to pick a scab or just to tell you how wrong you are or just to, you know, I don't, I don't feel like that's how we, we, we operate face to face often. It doesn't mean that those moments don't happen, but they happen so, so less frequently person to person. And I understand that hiding behind a screen allows for this. I, I really do get that. Um, but it almost feels like, there are people who do it successfully on social media and don't attract the hatred and 
I thought a lot about this in, in relation to, to this article because, you know, in taking the hiatus, then we've talked about this on, on our, on our podcast, but in taking the hiatus from social that I've been doing, you know, I got off of there because things started to really trigger me. And it's not that I was engaging in just writing back to people and being frustrated or being, you know, telling them that they're wrong. It just started to internalize, you know, I started to internalize a lot of it and it used to chew me up. And, you know, you realize that I used to think that the only way to, to, to be seen and heard was to do it on social media. You have an audience, they're there, you can say something and they hear you and they see you. And what I've realized now being off of it is the way you to be seen and heard is, is you need to develop relationships and you need to, and, and that's a process. And we know when you're talking about building a relationship with somebody or, or, or some entity, that's a time intensive, you know, process. And that's not social. Social isn't necessarily that you can do it, but so many people choose not to, or when they, what they think they're doing is relationship building is really just saying things and letting people respond to them versus actually allowing yourself to be vulnerable, be seen, be understood, be heard. I think that's what missed. That's what's missing from, from the social dynamic is, is that relationship building piece. And I think that's why from a personal standpoint, I think I have found so much more peace with if there are, philosophies or theories or, or certain things that I hold dear that I want to express doing so in a way one-on-one -on -one or in an environment where you're working to build relationships with a person or people allows me much more success to further something than sending out a tweet in 140 characters or whatever the, 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 the max count is now and, uh, and, and thinking that somehow that's going to have more success or that's going to have more of a, of a weight on it. I love how you always make analogies about social media and real life, going back to something that you always say about who, who you are on social is really who you are in real life. What you're describing about blasting a message out to the masses on social is really the same thing as walking into a crowded room and shouting over a bunch of people who are already either shouting their own things or having their own conversations. Now, one or two people may hear you or agree with you or disagree with you and join in with what you're saying. But it's really hard to break through and make an impact. But if you walked into that same room and approached someone who maybe you knew a few things about but wanted to learn more about, learn from them or build a relationship with them and you tap them on the shoulder and you started having a conversation with them, which I guess would be the equivalent of either sending a direct message or sending an email or, you know, if, if you're in person, you could actually do this in person. I think that's a, a much more fruitful way of building a relationship that is rooted in truth because you really can't hide in in a one-on-one -on -one exchange. I know that through, you're still going through a screen and yes, of course, like you could lie and I guess you could like lie in, in real life as right. well. Sure. But I think that just we as humans would be less likely to do something like that because in a way it exposes us inherently by the conversation being between just two individuals versus a giant group. 
Right. I think the part that frustrates me about L's example is that there's always an end game. Like <laughs> it stops at some point in time. And I'm not saying this that this debate about alien needs to go on forever and ever, but how important was that conversation, be it large or small as it was, how important was it if at the end of the day or the next day, no one's talking about it anymore? Mm-hmm. Now, we just put this 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 woman as a as a as a social society through hell just for funsies as like there's a quote in the article that says that 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 uh where's i gotta get the right line here so i can read this right way hunt told me that a small handful uh of her inner low whatever i'm not gonna pronounce that right (laughs) hunt told me that a small handful of the people who were reaching out to her reached out uh to, to criticize her reached out to her in a way that made it seem like they saw the whole event as well a game Quote, it was this bizarre set of people thanking me for a good fun day on the Internet and saying things like, that was fun. Nice to argue about something low stakes for a change. I was like, oh, glad you had fun, but it was not nice for me. And I think that's the part in all of this that is is so mind numbingly frustrating to me is. We're doing it for sport. We're not doing it to actually further a conversation, further a discussion, have a, have an educated conversation, even if it's around something as silly as, as alien. Um, and, and that, that's not a good use for social. And, and, and I understand that this is what social media is and has become. And a lot of times we, you know, people like you and I who work in it, who understand it, try to, no, 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 it's really not that bad. Everything's going to, it's, it's okay. But you are what you are and that's what it is. And it's really frustrating that we all see it for what it is, and yet we just continue to trip over it every time. So we started something new. I'm usually going to you with ideas. So I think I was so excited that I barely listened to what you said, and I was like, you know what? Sure, let's do it. Could have said anything right there at that point in time, couldn't I? Michelle and I grew up in the 90s, and we've noticed, I think, over the years that a lot of the uh, references that we end up dropping in our podcast end up coming from that period in our childhood. We were a TV generation, so we remember a lot of these offbeat commercials and a lot of these things that um, were a part of our childhood, and I thought it would be fun to kind of like look back at them. We don't really watch commercials anymore in, in this day and age. You know, ads are usually something that we're doing anything that we could possibly do to skip over. Funny commercials or, or commercials with memorable jingles have stayed with us over the years. Uh, and this platform, this this commercial breakdown show gave us the opportunity to bring some of them back and, you know, relive a few of these moments with, with all of you and, you know, reflect fondly on them. So if you get a chance, go into one of our pod for creative social profiles or go to our website and look for commercial breakdown which is the name of our show i time this it takes literally four seconds of your time subscribe to our youtube channel and hit that thumbs up button if you have a friend or a sibling or someone um, that you remember talking to about the commercials that that we're showcasing Certainly anywhere where you can share it, we would really appreciate it. I mean, we can't be in control of the people who go looking for trouble because there's a huge part of the internet population that that's why they're going on. They're either going on 
like this person, it, it may be in fun to like to join a what they think to be a like a fun argument. But there are also people who go on there to fuel their arguments. I mean, I think this is this is where a lot of these, you know, political arguments come up on social. Yeah. Um, where people, you know, they go in with their their opinions, not looking to hear anything else. It's just to shout into the noisy room. Which is it's I mean, I'm glad that you brought up like, do you feel exhausted? Yeah, how can you how can you not be exhausted just standing there yelling and hoping that someone hears you? There's a line in the article that was a, a tweet that somebody sent out that said each day on Twitter there's one main character and the goal is to never be that character. <laughs> and like it's so true. I mean, because you know, the goal is to never be the character because you never want to have to deal with the stuff that's coming at it. But I would argue that the people who get wrapped up in it are just as, as just as guilty and culpable in it because it's just as exhausting to be on Twitter and see something playing out over here, over on the side, and you see it, but it's like, oh God, why? Like I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't want to see this, you know. But you want to be in the room, like it's really making it. You know, Twitter's basically saying either you're in the room or you're not in the room. Your call, as opposed to. Why can't we all just be in the room and 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 have what we want out of these communities, out of these dynamics? And I think that's the whole concept of the of, of the piece. And, you know, everybody's got their opinion on whether or not is there a better way to do this. I don't think I don't think we have to add our voices to, you know, yeah, I don't I don't mix. know. I, mean, I really don't I, know. I, I'm, I'm sure there is. <laughs> I, I honestly, a pay for model like we talked about a few you know episodes back probably is a good place to start. But. I. I. I don't think this is necessarily about what social networks can do more so as what can we do to, to be better in terms of our approach with this. And like I said to you, I really think this comes back to how you are in real life is, is, is how you are in social. And if you have zero interest in building relationships and I mean, meaningful relationships with people to get them to understand you for you to understand them to establish that trust if you have zero interest in doing that in real life that's probably going to play out on social now i've i've looked at myself as an individual and i've thought to myself i might be the opposite how i how i feel like i am in person i don't necessarily always work i didn't necessarily always work to do that on social media and for me the answer was that i need to get off of social for a while because i don't feel like i'm 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 mature enough to handle this anymore and um that was my decision. I'm not telling people to log off of Twitter or log off of Facebook or Instagram if you can't handle that. I think people can choose to do it as they wish. But something has to change because allowing things to affect your moods, affect your your feelings, even if it's just for funsies, is not a healthy way to, I think, approach social media. And it's not the intent of what it exists to do, which is to connect people through shared experiences, not to connect people because they have different opinions on it and they're going to tell you about it uh, in the most harmful of ways. One of the things that I've really enjoyed since I haven't completely gone off of social media, but I have in us having these discussions um, have taken a step back and have spent less time on social and have put some healthy parameters in place for myself, which are a little bit different than yours. But one of the things I've really liked noticing is that 
it's really easy to blame the platform and say, oh, you know, Twitter has trending topics, so they're to blame, or Instagram has too many ads, or, or, or whatever complaint you want to have. But it's really up to us as users to take as much control as we can. And as I've talked about in a few of the past episodes, one of the things I've done was cut back the amount of people that I follow and really curating that list so that if I come across something that makes me feel bad, guess what? I can unfollow that person and step away from that piece of content. We, we all have the power to do that. And I think that we forget that we have that power because, again, not, not to bring up things that we've been talking about in, in the last few episodes, but when something is free, it's easy just to let it linger there. It's kind of like how we end up with messy garages. Like if you have the space for something and you can just store it away, you'll do it. But it's it's healthier when you actually make those decisions based on thought as to who you're following and what kind of conversations you're going to allow yourself to engage in. And I still don't have this down. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get better and I'm trying to be healthier about it. But at the same time, last month on Twitter, there was the thing that got the main character of the moment was the guy who found shrimp tails in his cereal box and just me saying that sentence I hear how stupid it is and one of the things I've been trying to remind myself is every time I read something or I look at something online that I don't care about it means that I am not doing something that I do care about like it, it, it is a trade-off. Like I'm, I'm picking this really stupid thing over doing something that I really want to do and then complain that I don't have enough time to do everything that I want to do. So I think the fact that I saw that headline and I said, oh, this is the stupidest thing ever. And then what did I do? I took a screenshot and I sent it to you. Yeah. And then the one who's not on, the, the one who's not on social, just to remind me of what I'm missing. Thank you very much. Yeah. I think I said something like, oh, like this is, this is the stupid thing that you're missing, but then I kept following the story. Like once I was hooked, not to make a seafood pun, um, like yeah, I, I, nice. <laughs> I, you know, kept following the story. And then days later, I think I brought it up to Jimmy. He's like, why are you still talking about this? He's like, you said that you didn't care about it. He's like, you clearly do. Yeah. And I, you know, I hate that social can do that to us if we don't keep ourselves in check. But the bottom line is it is up to us and us alone as individuals to keep ourselves in, in check. I think that's the, I, I think that's a great point. And cause I was like you, it was taking things, certain things were, it was taking me away. Social was taking me away from where I wanted to be. And for me, where I wanted to be was more present around my family and not so lost on my phone. And it's funny that, you know, Social mimics a lot of things, like I always say in life, and like, you know, you can make an analogy out of anything. But having a having a toddler, there are moments in parenting where like, he's testing me, like he's he's baiting me, 
and sometimes I get I get baited and sometimes I can recognize it and I go not don't take the bait don't take the bait like you know like that's you know calm voice and all whatever needs to be kind of done to get through the situation and and land the plane and it is funny how you're leaving one situation that would do it to you all the time that you would get sucked into for another that still tests you but it just goes to show you like where we have levels of restraints one on one we just don't always carry it over you know behind screens or behind you know you know behind platforms and and they're the same everything is the same you know i don't really believe anybody wakes up in the morning saying you know logging on the twitter or logging into facebook or whatever it is and 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 being outraged before they see something a lot of times it's it's once they're confronted with something what they choose to do with it and I just don't see the, the 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 I don't see the power of a tweet that gets sent back that replies back to somebody that you disagree with them. Okay, you know, but then like it's the doubling down, it's the whole way the situation played out with L, you know, where it's just the doubling down and telling her how wrong she is in doing so with such, you know, questionable language choices and you know, the fact that like, you know, who was who was the filmmaker who got sucked into this? It was, uh, oh, Kevin Smith, you know, angrily, you know, had had quote uh, tweeted her and making a demand that she apologized. Seriously? Like, like, I, I mean, this is this person's opinion. And, and you can't be smart enough to see that and go, well, my opinion on this movie is it's great. That's it. You got it. You got to demand that she apologizes and make a stink out of it. Like, that's the problem here. It's the over it's the over exaggeration of whatever the reply is that is just so out of out of necessity it's it's not needed i think what we're also not focusing on is that kevin smith went out of his way to respond to that this isn't a manifesto that she wrote it's not some big essay it's it's a tweet that has you know it's it's missing punctuation. It's it's very shorthand. Like you can tell <laughs> yeah, she just right. kind of like typed this with one hand while, you know, sipping on her beer. Yeah. Literally and... <laughs> sounds like exactly what was taking place in the bar. Some of this argument here for a second. Like that was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So like how could you have that strong of a reaction to like a tweet like that? How how could someone be so dense as to not be able to read the tone? And context. We're missing context. And that often is so lost on social because you only see the words. You don't see the situation. You know, if you remember a couple of years ago, I had sent a tweet out about uh, if, you, if you only could have one cheese for the rest of your life or something along those lines, like what, what cheese would you select? The context of that conversation was over a number of glasses of wine with members of my family where, I mean, we, we, we enjoy wine and cheese. And, you know, so it was just talking about if you could have one, what would it be? It was a very jovial mood. I put the tweet out there and I was made to feel like I didn't know a thing about cheese just based on the, the, the suggestions. And I don't remember them right now, but I know they were probably basically uh, 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 what I would call would be baseline cheese options because I, we just felt like you you can't just have this like like a catalog of of options, yeah, right? <laughs> right, and you, and you also don't want to go so deep into the catalog that like that's the one that you're having for the rest of your life forever and ever. Like you have to give some kind of like level of balance. So 
but people were, you know, how, you know, what about this one? And what about, you know, what about, you know, uh, blue and what about goat and what about whatever, you know, like, but it was, it, but the context of that conversation that, that brought on upon the tweet was not confrontational. It was quite lighthearted. And that's often what gets missed in these carryovers is you're inviting people into the room that have no context about what they're about to enter into. And that's why we get the results that we get. I did immediately think of that cheese pole tweet that you had put out when I read this article. And I was thinking, wow, what if if Bobby Flay chimed in and <laughs> was really angry at you that you didn't mention his favorite cheese? Yeah, that would be the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happened to Elle. That's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's that, it is that ridiculous what ended up happening to her. Uh, also made me think of your tweet about you ha you've you've tried to stir up controversy. I'm I'm now seeing this pattern when it comes to food on Twitter. You also tweeted about is it better to have a hamburger on a English muffin or on a traditional hamburger bun, which was really fishing. Technically, I worded <laughs> it as the only acceptable way to have a hamburger is on an English muffin. I've been I've been known in some circles as the Woody Woodpecker of Twitter. I just I'm a troublemaker. So <laughs> so I could see how 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 you might see it that way. Uh, but that's a belief. That's that's a belief. But again, I brought that on. Mm -hmm. I probably did it in a way that was not like what the way L Hunt did it, which was probably much more you know, Matt, you know, just, just kind of, of off the cuff. I, I kind of loaded, I, I, you put I got the into responses it. I should have gotten based on the way I, I worded it, I guess. I feel like it was also one of those things that you have been thinking about for a long time and you're like, or had it in your drafts and you're like, you know what? We're pushing this out. Today's the day we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I will still believe that. I, I if, if, you know, Anyone listening to this, do me a favor. You're still this, pushing this? This I'm not on Twitter anymore. I can get away with this now. This summer, when you grill a burger, do me a favor and try it on an English muffin and 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 tweet at pod for creatives your thoughts. I'm very interested in, in in to hear what you say. And if I'm wrong, so be it. If it's just me, so be it. Thanks. But now I'm believe... gonna be have to be the one to answer these. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, we're not going to get many responses. I don't think any people look at that and they think it's disgusting when they hear me say it. But I think it's worth a try. I think it's worth a try. Well, in our last episode, I was talking about how you've become like an influencer to me. But this one hasn't stuck yet. I still haven't actually tried it. Yeah, you said you were going to. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, that's disappointing. It got it got bumped down the list behind trying your... Um, breaded chicken recipe, which I also still have not done. What do you do like with, with, with these suggestions? Do you just have a, you know, a tickler file for them or like you have any intention of ever trying them or you just yes me to death? No, of course I'll try them. It's just, okay. it has to be, it has to be the right moment. I just think, I just think we're, 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 I, I think the concept, you know, just getting back to this relationships matter. They're the key to everything that we do. And I think what social often overlooks, we talk a lot about the importance of building relationships, but you know, it's like telling somebody you got to live in the moment. Nobody knows how to do that. It's the same thing. You got to build relationships on social media. Very few people know how to do it effectively where they can say something, even if it's an opinion, even if it's whatever it is and avoid 
the hate that comes from those types of those types of scenarios. I think also people don't really consider when they think about forming a relationship with someone that the investment isn't just that you're going to have this person in your life that's great, but that when you're actually friends with someone and you're, you put out a social po post, that person who knows you for real, either in real life or you've taken the time to get to know one another, is never going to assume the worst in what you said. That's not going to be their initial reaction. And I know that logistically, it's, we can't be best friends with everyone. And I know that like for people like you and I, we don't want to have a million best friends. But I do think that it's worth it to invest in people and to give people our time and attention, especially when, you know, just like it's up to us to curate the content that we receive on social media, it's it's also up to us to like something that you have always said is audit your circle. Who do you want in your corner? Who do you want to be able to like to get you to understand you and for you to understand them? I mean, I know it goes both ways, but the qual I, I I'm I'm tripping over my words here because I don't want to make it sound like certain people are better than other people and that your friendship should be based on like what you can get out of the relationship. But what, but no, I think you make a point here because like, this is, this is about having people around you who are going to be not necessarily just blind to everything that, you know, say yes to everything that you say, but we'll have an understanding of where you're coming from. So even if it's, even if it's something that seems not like you, we're not going to jump. They're not going to jump to, well, you're wrong. And here's, let me tell you why there might be a, Hey, you doing okay. Everything, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not talking about, you know, the movie alien here. I'm talking about, you know, other, <laughs> other situations, but that's the benefit of building the relationship and having those people in that circle where you might be able to recognize signs of trouble or concerns based on a social post that might allow you to reach out to a person and, and, and connect with them versus immediately diving on them because you think they're wrong and you're going to tell them why. Yeah, I've thought about this. And I think I've actually sent out a social message about this or did a story, an Instagram story about this. But I started to notice that a lot of times, either when people ask questions in comment sections or they'll put a question out to social media, I have the thought, couldn't they have Googled that? And it just made me think that, okay, maybe this person doesn't really need the answer to this. They're just trying to connect with people. And that's, I mean, that's that's great. It's, it's great that we have social media as an avenue to do that. But I'm wondering if that person could actually feel more fulfilled if they were more vulnerable and actually asked a meaningful question versus something that could easily be Googled. And I'm, you know, I'm just like, I'm imagining a person who might be having a bad day or is feeling sad or, or lonely and maybe framing the question in another way or saying like, hey, I'm having a really rough day. This just happened. Has this ever happened to you? Instead of saying, you know, what's the best printer to use for this project? Right, right. <laughs> 
I think we can close on uh, on this story because your your what you just said really reminded me of this. So after my mom died, um, I had written a blog um, just about you know the last you know the the end of her life and. I had sent it out and I had gotten a, a, a lot of nice replies, but I had gotten a reply from, from one individual who I know through, through work. And he had commented that, you know, his, his father was, was also sick and, you know, just values all the time that he gets with him. And, you know, I had, I had wished him, you know, it was around the holidays that I wrote it. So I wished him happy holidays. I hope you get some time with your, with your dad. And, um, about a year later or so this, this guy's father passed away and I had, reached out to him in response to a tweet that he sent out just, you know, talking about the loss of his father and, you know, expressed, you know, my, my, my condolences and, you know, I'm, I'm here to listen and, you know, I, I get it, you know, it's tough losing a father or a parent so young. And, you know, I think that's the stuff that relationships are really built on is, is, you know, being there for one another, shared experiences, showing vulnerability, working together towards a common outcome. And it just reminds me that, you know, if I would have ever seen something from him that would have been a hot take or something like that, my first response now wouldn't have been, you know, at this point in time to, to say, hey, you're wrong and here's why and blah, 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 blah. I think if I were to reply to him about something, it might be, well, you have to consider blah, 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 blah. But I understand where you're coming like because you have a mutual respect and understanding for for one another. You built that relationship, that component of things. I wish more people took the time to do that on social media because I feel like it would really kind of end or at least slow down a lot of the hatred that ends up getting spewed and we wouldn't have to have these conversations about is there a better way because we would have created the way that makes sense for all of us. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at pod for creatives and let us know what stood out to you. Do you grill a lot down there? Uh, our... <laughs> Y'all got a grill? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So something that we learned about grills when you live near the beach is that they get ruined if you don't cover them. So our grill is currently hasn't been in use for the last year and a half because it's like rusty, basically. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to eat that. That's not, that's no. not helping anybody. So we need to get a new grill. But I, I enjoy a good barbecue but i i don't i've never actually done it myself because it it feels like a big undertaking grilling yeah Mm. no no i don't i mean like it's just the timing of everything you know like certain things can't go on at the same time so like it's the same as regular cooking though right exactly it's just you know you know depending upon the size grill that you have either a smaller space or whatever but no, I always find the grilling is easier because it's like all the heat is consistent. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, you know, everything is, it's, I know this is going to take this long. The vegetables are going to take half the time. Like, you know, I like that. I also like cooking one whole meal on one thing. Like that's, that's easy. I don't have to, you know, be in an oven, be on the, be on the, you know, on the stove, whatever. So what were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>